right, it's it's the motherfucking Darkstream podcast. What's happening, party people? I'm Darth Rictus. I'm Darth Camgentes. And today we are back talking about Explorers. So, uh, we had quite the week. We started off with Luca Titan. Goddamn, that was fun. Yeah. It It's something spicy about dumping a big, fat 7-7 seven, seven creature into play on turn three. It's Especially just, when it brings friends and party favors. Right. It's <laughs> It's like you get to play sneak attack, but nobody hates you for it. You know, it's it's the most fair, unfair thing I can recall a deck doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times one's not enough. Exactly. It's it's not like you're dumping an Emrakul and that there goes the whole fucking ball game. You know, it's yeah. Here's here's a card that is difficult to deal with, but you should be able to deal with one copy potentially. And the problem is that this deck just keeps grinding and it keeps going. You can deal with one copy depending on what your deck is or where the game is. I mean, most of the, if you get a quick one against mono red, that's it. Yeah, that's. But right. if it's not a quick one against mono red and you're at like one life or something, you gain that five and get your four four. They can still things still burn you out from there. Yeah, and we, we had some really interactive uh, games where we resolved multiple titans just to stay in against that triple Obnixilis game. That was my favorite of uh, yesterday, where they had triple Obnixilis yeah. on the board. And we were losing six life a turn, but gaining five life back on a Titan a turn and just going after it. What a, what a sweet comeback. We were all the way down to one at one point. Yeah. And it, we managed to just squeak it out barely on the back of Titans and Kiki's copying Titans. There were so many games that seemed like they were going to be lost and then weren't. <laughs> so if you're looking for something this weekend that's going to just blow up Rakdos mid, Rakdos anvil, Rakdos everything, and probably should be beating Mono Red with regularity, yeah, Luka Titan's a good way to go. Now, if you're tired of losing to Luka Titan, uh, there are two decks that I would recommend. The first is going to Yorian Fires, get Agent of Treachery, because what's better than casting Titan? Taking Titan. and Stealing uh, is always better. Right. Th- thieving the Titan works beautifully. If you don't want to play Yorian Fires because you're like me and you're just not into that life, uh, Elementals, great place to be. Yasharn is quite the card against this deck. It shuts down uh, a significant portion of what you're trying to do. Uh, specifically, you're not able to sacrifice creatures to turn on that combo. So I believe Transmogrify gets around it, but Luka shouldn't because I believe Luka is going... I don't know. I'll have to read Luka to make sure. I don't fucking remember. Right? It's It's been a second since I read the text. But either way, Yasharn, not easy to deal with. Elementals goes way over the top of this deck anyway. I, I had two games against them where I resolve Titan 1, I resolve Titan 2. They don't give a shit. They just keep going. And that's just the issue, is that Titans can go bigger. And there are decks that just go bigger. Um, the Elementals deck also is completely immune to Big Chandra. Because the minus three doesn't hit anything. Right. It, well, doesn't it hit non-elemental yes. creatures? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did make that mistake where I boarded it in, went oh. minus three, and their board stayed and my board blew up. Oh, God. And I thought it was like, ah, we'll just wrath the board for everybody. It was a one-sided wrath. And oh, I went, no. Okay. I read. wish that had happened on stream. Right. I was like, ah, read the cards. Read the cards, <laughs> Darth Rictus. Read the goddamn cards. So, you know, before you make that same mistake, read, read the cards. RTFC. Yeah, <laughs> read the fucking cards, yes. <laughs> uh, so Luka Titan, great deck, a lot of fun. Deck list will be on our Discord, it'll be on our Twitter. Um, but if you want updates, come to the Discord, come say hi. We have updated lists that we're posting with regularity. And uh, there's there's a lot to be said about this format. Now, given that there's so much churn 
and we're seeing different archetypes move in and move out week by week. I think we're officially past that post-Winota ban where that initial churn uh, takes place and it's like two days this deck is on top, then the deck that beats it, then the deck that beats that. And eventually you get to that full cycle where all <laughs> these decks are viable and we just have matchups now. And I think that's where we're at now. Right. It's going to become more of like a, a metagame percentage sort of thing. Yeah. Where these these archetypes are probably at any given time going to be represented. <clears throat> and the question is more of the proportionality. Proportionality and type play. And that's usually where these formats go, unless you are on a team with a grump, like a bunch of people that are able to break through, you know, like they do on pro tours occasionally where they just, they find that one deck like Grixis vampires on the, on the most latest standard uh, tournament. That was the breakout deck as far as I could tell. And it was one that nobody knew about prior to that. Sometimes it's not even a breakout deck, but it's, uh, it could be just three or four slots. Yeah. Or a really good sideboard choice. Understanding the interaction deeply enough that you're able to fix the few pieces that were missing. It's kind of got me thinking about um, the, the old, because, you know, we were playing Marvel yesterday for about five minutes. Right. But um, that, that standard format after Marvel got banned and it was Temer Energy and like mono red and that was it and there'd be certain weeks where in the in the temer energy deck people would play a couple of essence scatters in the main sure and it would be ridiculously powerful for how decks were configured to just have two essence scatters when those decks were leaning more into like torrential gear hulk oh yeah yeah um and i you know like we're not in a two deck format, fortunately. No. But when when the formats get more developed, you'll see things like that where it's, you know, maybe the same old tried and true deck. Like say it's this this Titan of Industry Luca deck. Mm -hmm. Uh we've got Volt Surges right now. And that is a flex slot. So that that's an example of, you know, later maybe it'll be I, I have no idea what. Maybe people play that big Chandra instead and that fundamentally changes how a matchup works based on how other decks are and I, I think that's what I'm looking for in Explorer right now is we've got these shells we know what they can do we know how powerful they are we know how powerful they are relative to each other and we are substantially figuring out the lines of attack for all of them and so these games are starting to feel a little bit more of a kind of that chess match thing where you can see a lot of it coming and you're playing it. You know, before we started the podcast, you were talking to me about a matchup you had against a Rakdos deck where you were just waiting to make your land drops because they were respecting the transmogrify. Right. Right. So some of the games that we did on the stream, they weren't like that at all. I mean, there, there were people that just dropped their pants and let us get them. Um, but we're, we're not going to be seeing as much of that going forward. And I think as a result of that, these flex slots, we're going to start to see development of them to shore up these, these other places and, and find different ways to attack different matches. Sure. Sure. And the forward voltaic surge, that's a good note. Those will probably end up getting shifted into other cards depending again on percentage of metagame that's going to be on aggro versus mid-range versus going bigger 
and noting that there are some matchups we can't fix and I don't care to fix. Like, I'm never going to try to fix Agent of Treachery with Luka Titan. No, you can't. If that if that deck is popular, just play something else. Yeah. Probably Mono Blue Spirits, which should beat the crap out of it. Um, that said, there is a new variant I saw. I was uh, checking out a stream last night, and they were playing against the top 50 pro and Mythic, and they were playing Abzan Greasefang. I've been thinking about that actually, and I got to see the power of they did you know like they blow up a Seekus chariot and you just bring it back with Greasefang. <laughs> so it was a very grindy build, and yeah. I loved it. Uh, it also played for old Rutstein, which I had not seen and constructed before, but does a really good job of milling cards off the top to give you what you need slowly but surely while holding down the fort. So that the the core of the deck wasn't so focused on the combo, it just had good grindy cards that lent themselves to the combo. Because Rutstein can give you blood tokens while also milling a card to turn into your graveyard. It was it was very powerful. Um it it didn't end up winning the match it was in, but the idea was there. And clearly if they're in the top fifty of Mythic, their win rate's high. Because you don't get there with less than a seventy to eighty percent win rate. So Food for thought. I don't know how to build that deck yet, but, you know, Fatal Pushes, Thought Seizes, Rutsteins, Grease Fangs, Asika's Chariots, Parkelians. That's that, most of it. That's most of it. The The rest of it, I don't know. Got to figure out the rest of the slots. I know they had like two can't stay away. Uh, I don't know if that's correct or not, but it's interesting. And I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what that archetype can yield because we've tried Esper. We've tried Mardu. This is a this is the last one. This is Abzan. This is what happens when we go green and aim for the grindier mid-range of a Seekus Chariot instead of the outright aggro of Mardu or the connive triggers of Esper. And I'm gonna mess around with it. We may end up uh, if it pans out, we may end up showing it on the stream next week. We'll see. We've played worse. We've definitely played worse. <laughs> We've played worse this week. Yeah. And I, I took another look at the blue-white archetypes, and I think we can I can affirmatively say that if I'm going to play any blue-white again in this format for a while, it's going to be the Lotus Field version because it can just... It, it has a control build with the ability to explode mana-wise. And that's... And Strict Proctor shuts down so much shit, it's wild. Yeah, Strict Proctor is probably my favorite part of that deck because it's, it's an important part of the deck in terms of getting your Lotus Field advantage. But it allows you to main deck a card that anywhere else would be a sideboard slot. And even so, probably not a deserving sideboard slot. Yeah. You know, like it just doesn't do enough against anybody. In my estimation, anyway, to, to merit having four of those on the sideboard. But when it's part of your, your main deck plan and you just get that, that advantage, I love it. Yeah. And the ability to turn on. Uh, turn. I think it turns on a turn four farewell, which is quite a thing, or a turn four shark typhoon, or a turn four Teferi. Discontinuity, like, yeah. Yeah, there's just so much that it can turn on, so it gives you that explosion that you need in mana while also shutting down a lot of weird triggers that happen all over the place. And anyway, if I'm going to play control, I want to play something explosive. It just occurred to me that it makes the cat oven thing suck. Oh, a ton. Yeah, that deck straight up doesn't work. It's great. Um, it, it shuts down a lot of shit. Like Blood Tithe Harvester is just a 3-2 now, probably. And the Titans of Industry are just 7-7s. Like, there's so many things that it does. And 
anyway, we, we might fuck around with that. That's another deck I'm curious about fucking around with. It does sound nice. At least it's a control deck that's not trying to do the fairest thing. Because trying to do the fairest thing in a format this diverse is not where you want to be. There's too many ways to explode. Yeah, the, the, the fair deck thing, I think, is Thoughtseize Fatal Push. Yeah. It's, and it's, I, I don't think there's a more powerful fair thing to be doing than Thoughtseize Fatal Push. I agree. The, the ability of counterspells to take over games has been heavily mitigated by the design of the last five years. And I, I get that Wizards made that intentionally. Uh, at least I assume they did I mean, after Drown. Counterspells just ain't what they used to be either. Right, right. But I, I assume after the last big counterspell era was Drownu, from what I remember. And that I was, think you're right. That, that was the last time you could, that was the last deck I remember where it, like the the whole point of the deck is counter everything or whoops, I missed one, I guess I'll kill it. Yeah. And that's the last time I've seen Wizards allow Drago control to be the dominant force that it was. And that was Time Spiral Block. Yeah. It was a long time ago. You know, people talk about the power creep of these creatures, and you're right. I think it is intentional. I think they are intentionally trying to prevent the Drago format from coming back at any point. Yeah, they've said that over the years. They've been explicit that their design is deliberately set up so that permission is not a real archetype that someone can do because they've found out that most players hate having their cards countered. Yeah. Like it's just an incredibly negative experience for many players. It's not a big deal if, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do my four mana thing and you absorb it. Right. But it's, it's like I try and do my Llanowar Elves and you force spike it. I try and do my, you know, two drop and you mana leak it. I try and do my three drop and you mana leak it. I try and do my four drop and you counterspell it. You know, it's like, so it, it doesn't even matter. Like, okay. Uh, and a lot of people won't remember the permission era and why it was called permission. Cause you just come to a point where you'd be like, can I resolve this? And they'd be like, Hmm, how will I say no? <laughs> do I want to say yes? And then no later or no right now. And then you'd get the mirror matches these decks, and that would be abysmal. The fact that Millstone was a world's deck tells you everything you need to know about how far magic has come. Oh, God. Well, yeah, you're talking about the very beginning. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, that Randy Bueller deck that was, I think, in the 1998s or something. Sure. Where it was, there were, like, fucking 20 or 30 counters, and it used it. Its card draw engine was Whispers of the Muse, yep. <laughs> which, if you don't know that one offhand, is one blue mana, draw a card, buy back five. <laughs> and that was the best thing available. Is just pay six mana to draw a card every turn. Your other source of card advantage was Nevenerals Disc. And blow up the board was that. And the win condition was a play set of Stalking Stones yep. and like a single. I think three one flyer that could phase out for two blue. And wasn't it one millstone too or something? No, there weren't there weren't millstones in the main. I think there were some grindstones on the sideboard. Oh uh, yeah. The millstones were that like the inaugural nineteen ninety six Pro Tour. Yeah. Or ninety seven, whatever it was. The box set thing. Yeah. Anyway. Wizards not really letting that come back, and I'm happy for that because the games have gotten far more complex now, and if there wasn't, I don't care what people want to say, there was not a lot of complexity to a lot of those counter games. The Drowny ones no. is closest we've come to complexity because it involved Teferi, Drowny, and Charge Lands, 
And even that, a lot of games... And like, mystical teachings. You needed a ton of mana to make that deck work. But even then, if you weren't playing against the mirror, the complexity level went way down. Correct. You know, like, the mirror was super complex and a ton of fun, and if you played against a creature deck, you were just like, no, 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 kill, no, Teferi, no, Trialnu. Now everything gets to get flashed back game. It was the most boring shit ever. I think my solution to that format at the time, because I didn't want to play Drown, was play Elves with Allosaurus Rider times four. I did that as well, and that, that green ball lightning. Yeah, just got to get under them. And it was, I won quite a few games. It was a lot of fun, but... And you know. somebody else figured out the, the tech of putting Magus in the mirror in the sideboard for that match. Yeah. yeah. Like, never mind, you're at four, I'm at 20. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got seven mana, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I was happy to see that format be done when it was done. So, uh, going into this weekend, since we have a solid churn rate at this point and all the Tier 1 archetypes are going to be running around, find something you're comfortable with. Find something you want to learn that you enjoy playing. For me, that's going to be tightening up this uh, Luka Titan list. It's going to be tightening up Rakdos mid. It'll probably be messing around with a few other things like Abzan Greasefang and uh, Blue White Lotus. But we're, we're at the point in Explorer where until new cards get introduced, we have our meta. It's set. There isn't a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen any new brews in a minute that have really blown me away. They're just different variations on known combos. I, I keep making garbage. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 started, I, I started trying to make an Esper midrange deck. Sure. And it's kind of turning into an azorius mid-range deck okay um but i the, the last time i was tinkering with it i had cut it the main deck down to like 44 cards okay and was working my way out from there but then i got tired and like went to bed and then forgot about it until this instant <laughs> okay how it happens yeah but if you're not trying to tinker around and make stuff from scratch and i mean there's always the chance you break the format but uh Odds are pretty high at this point that we know what the archetypes are. We have the established archetypes and learn what you're comfortable with. I mean, you can always do speed runs to mythic with aggro, but the problem with that is we have this qualifier event. I think the best of one qualifier is happening this weekend. The best of three is happening next Friday. And then we have the actual uh, qualifier event itself. The MIQ will be next a week. Yeah, next weekend, not this upcoming one the week after. The problem with running these like speed runs in mono red or mono green or whatever mono fucking colored thing that's slanted to beat these exact decks is that it doesn't matter even if you make it through the initial qualifier events, you get to that MIQ, you're going to be playing against good players' tight lists. You can't speed run through them. It just doesn't work. People are ready. And like it's, it's kind of the difference between an FNM and a, a PTQ. It's, it's like the speed run into Mythic. You know, like whatever can take you into Mythic, oftentimes if you speed run in, Mythic is where people start beating it. Yeah. Say, All right, welcome to the party, fuckhead. Play a real deck now. Right, right. Which is why I say find a real deck and learn it. Learn the ins and outs. Find I mean, Luca was fast, though. Luca's good. We I... got a lot of matches in really quickly with Luca. Oh, yeah. You can usually get about a match in every 20 minutes or less. Uh, every so often it'll go a little bit longer, but to be fair, you resolve that Titan about 50% of the time. They just scoop it and call it, you know, 
Yeah, there's there's that moment and you wait and then the rope starts running and then they explode. <laughs> yeah. uh, the death rattle of arena. <laughs> that fuck. 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 <laughs> Concede. So that's what I'd expect to see. Um, expect to see some Titan. Expect to see some Rakdos mid. Uh, I wouldn't really expect to see Niv-Mizzet till somebody retools it. Same with Is it Phoenix. The bannings are in effect. Um, so both of those archetypes, you're just going to have to retool them. I'm sure it can be done, but I don't expect to see good iterate tight iterations of it this week. But by next week, probably somebody will have figured it out and have a tight iteration for the MIQ. Uh, so if you're looking to brew, that's kind of a fun spot to brew because you've got four slots for expressive iteration in each deck that need to get figured out. And to my knowledge, nobody's done it yet. Phoenix Phoenix just might have to have be reimagined fundamentally. It certainly could be. I mean, there's it's got a lot of power to it. And it, it might not be even a Phoenix deck when all is said and done. It might be, is it mid-range? Or it might... I mean, that's... A lot of times, that's what the Phoenix deck winds up being. Right. The, the Phoenix is sort of a... I, I won't quite call it a distraction, but it forces your opponent to focus on dealing with your graveyard or killing these creatures over and over again while you have time to build up other advantages. And it seems like most games, unless things just get out of hand immediately, the Phoenixes are not what winds up winning. Well, that, that, brings, that brings us to an interesting point. In Explorer, the uh, three decks that I see that have combos, what they have done better than the other combo decks, and what I would look for is that they have two layers to the, each combo. They have the primary one of, let's see if we can get this combo off, and if we can, good luck, because it's not going to be easy to beat you know, double to triple Phoenix. It's not easy to beat Titans. It's not easy to beat Parhelions. But the best versions of these decks usually have a secondary plan for when the combo doesn't work, and that secondary plan needs to be strong enough that it can handle most of what everybody else is doing. In Phoenix, it's Crackling Drakes. In Red-Green, you've got Asika's Chariots for the Titan decks, and you've also got the ability to hard cast these Titans at a certain point. And that brings up uh, whether or not you want to have, like, Volt Surges moved out for Chandra's to help cast the Titan, because it does accelerate you to a turn 5 Titan without needing tr the combo. Um, just a fun side right there and then the mardu deck that's kind of what's been missing from a lot of them and what we tried to fix by playing esper was give it a better plan b for when the combo doesn't happen but maybe the answer is abzan because asika's chariot's in there as well and chariot is still a force to be reckoned with yeah and i'm, I'm just imagining the game where you know a opponent thought seizes you early and takes the chariot because it's your best card right and then you top deck a Grease Fang, and, and now you're smacking him with a fucking Chariot on turn three. Getting three tokens on turn three and four points of damage. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, Grease Fang and Chariot, that, like, that's good enough, I think. Yeah. The Parhelions almost uh, win more at a certain point. It, it might be. I mean, I, I was actually, I was thinking about Abzan Grease Fang for two reasons. One, because we just straight up hadn't tried that version. Right. But two, I was thinking about the Explorer creatures and how powerful they are. Sure. And wondering, you know, I mean, they put cards in your graveyard. There's not a lot of control over it. Sure. But whether that could be part of the glue that holds it together, I, I, I still am not sure on that. But I hadn't even thought about Asika's Chariot. And that, it, it makes me wonder, 
because you know we had games where we were siding out the combo. Right. But in an Abzan deck like that, all you'd have to do is take out the Parhelion because if you've got a Seekers Chariot, it it justifies having Grease Fang still in. And frankly, you might just get rid of the Parhelions and put in Sky Sovereigns because now you've yeah. got two very grindy four and five drop vehicles that Grease Fang gives a lot of uh, is your reanimator for them. Yeah. But it's it's not like you're trying to combo wombo. You're trying to grind, and you have the ability to just dump it back in play and go after them. And they have to board all these unlicensed hearses and all this grave hate. And in the meantime, you're like, whatever, a Seekus Chariot smack you in the teeth. That might be the way, actually, because then you can be a Thoughtseize Fatal Push deck. Right. Instead and of having to play stupid shit like old Rustine. I, I think there might be something there. We, I mean, it's cute. It is. It is. Uh, but... At the end of the day, what you may want is just an Abzan grindcore deck. And maybe game one, you want the Parhelions because you can combo. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's the, the question for me is how naturally can you fit getting them into the graveyard? Right. Because Asika's Chariots go to the graveyard because they go into the red zone. Right. And they get blocked. Right. And people prioritize destroying them because they could take the fucking game over. So, yeah, they will get in the graveyard just fine for Grease Fang to pull them out. Sky Sovereign, I mean, it's, it's, it's no Asika's Chariot. It's not as good, but <clears throat> it's still pretty fucking good. It's still going to shit all over other mid-range and aggro decks. I, I really love how well it mercs Planeswalkers, too. Yeah. Especially if you're Grease Fanging it out, because then it's bolt this, bolt that, swing for six. You can dump down two walkers usually with one reanimation there. Yeah, which is possibly a three. Thing. Yeah, it's it's super powerful to be able to do that. So I'm I'm curious. It's going to take you know a little bit of time to pull together the rough draft, but we'll have something spicy, I think. Well, it makes me think also about those board states that you'll wind up in sometimes against some kind of deck that's like playing uh, five mana to fairy, mm. where they are just comfortable dropping Teferi with no answers to what you're doing on your turn because if you kill Teferi, then they two-for-one you. Right. And they know you're not going to attack Teferi because they can see your resources and, you know, you're some kind of mid-range deck. You're not, you know, going to drop some big haste creature. Right. Except that you can. Because Grease Fang. Because Grease Fang. Yeah, I'm, I also like the... I just like the ability to not rely on Parhelion to win games with Grease Fang because it's it's a great combo when it goes off. It's damn near unbeatable when it goes off, but people are ready. Yes. And like Parhelion, when it enters the battlefield, does not do anything immediately. So you can abrade it and get through. Yes. But or or you can just abrade the Grease Fang. Right. But even if for whatever reason you have just Artifact Destruction, instant speed, Parhelion does nothing that turn. Yes. But Sky Sovereign and Asikas always do. No matter what ETB, they're hitting something. So I, I like the fact that it can do that. And Sky Sovereign clears out positions. Well, more quickly. important than that, they're good without Grease Fang. Right. Parhelion just rots in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are occasional games where you pay eight mana and actually cast the cocksucker, but. So rare. So rare. <laughs> so rare. rare. In most of those games, by the time you can do it, the game's over anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would look at uh, tuning that list up. I think we will at least. And uh, try out some stuff there. We'll probably tinker around with the last four slots of Titan in the main and a few on the sideboard to 
see what needs to be shifted. I really do like the idea of a couple of the mid-range Chandra because it does so many different pieces and our four drops are not too cluttered. We've got Forasika's Chariot, but Chandra is also something that's sometimes worth accelerating out. And this is a deck oh, that does that. Oh, you're talking about Torch of Defiance. Yes. Yeah, I, I do like that, especially because it ramps you into casting Titan the next turn. Yeah, turn five Titan or potentially turn four Titan naturally without the combo. So I think two Chandra at least go in for that. I, I agree with that, actually. And it might end up being a 3-3 split between a Seekus Chariot and three Chandra instead of a 4-2 split. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say no to four char Chariots, but they are legendary, and so is Chandra. So it might end up being a 3-3 split for that alone. It, it, Chariot is such a must-kill, though. That's true, and it does give us tokens, like, right? Chandra is a card that you can just you can leave Chandra alone for a couple of turns and still win the game. I also like that, that it takes the place of two Volt Surge, but it doesn't take the place of removal. We still get removal. We still get quick removal. Yeah. And it's a house against these Farewell decks, these uh, blue-white troll decks that we're going to play against. Uh, so I, I like having it for that, because then post-board you get six Chandras. That seems pretty spicy. I, I like that a, a great deal. So I, I think I'm probably going to split it into two Chandra and then two Volt Surge will probably stick around for a second until I can figure out if it needs to be something else. But I do like having some number of one mana answers to things, at least yeah. on the main board. I, I think as long as aggro is a large share of the metagame, some number of one mana removal is appropriate. Yeah, it's the red fatal push at this point is Volt Surge. It's not as good, but it's what we got. You it's know? it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, Titan, uh, Abzan, Greasefang, these are fun lists to tune up. There will be a few other uh, ideas, obviously. Mono Blue Spirits, is a, it's pretty tight already. I don't know how much of that I can really change at this point. I, I think if I were going to tweak with that deck, the way I would do it would be by trying it as not spirits and just mono blue. Just tempo? Yeah, I mean, same idea, but um, different creatures, basically. I, I don't think you have to be spirits tribal there. Okay. And it could be something that more closely resembles like the old standard deck. So we're talking like Tempest Gins? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I... I just don't think that version has been explored. I haven't tried it. I haven't seen anybody else try it. I think it was just, you know, there was there was this collected company sort of spirits deck, and I think at some point someone was like, what if instead of collected company, we just did more blue things? I mean, it's a lot smoother without having to shift into a second color, and until they print Spell Queller into Explorer, I don't think there's a reason to go into another color. Right. But I see that's that's the reason I think the, that the mono blue deck looks the way it does though, because I think whoever was putting it together was thinking about that deck from modern, that was the Bant Spirit deck, and yeah, started with Collected Company and then realized oh we don't need it, and then picked up the Curious Obsession and the Snow stuff, and I like the Curious Obsession and I like the Snow stuff, but. I just wonder, because I don't have anything specific in mind, but I just wonder whether there are better creatures that don't have to rely on that synergy. Maybe the synergy is what makes it great. I don't know. 
I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for the synergy. Um, almost all the good flash cards in blue are spirits, which makes it difficult to get away from that because then you're you're playing kind of a different deck. I mean, Brazen Borrower isn't, but Rattle Chains is a big deal. Um, Spectral Adversaries aren't bad. So I'm, I don't know, I'm back and forth because you do want aggressive, at a low CC threats and flash as much as possible. That's how that deck functions. So getting it away from that, not easy. And Rattle Chains enables the non-flash ones to become flash creatures, which is also a big deal for your lords, not having to pay for them on your turn. Right. So I, I don't know how much we could morph it. I don't know either. I just haven't even tried. Yeah. I mean, it's worth exploring. It's worth exploring. But yeah, something like Tempest Gin, or I mean, any 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 version of it in the past, because the the previous standard version was kind of this is my one threat and I'm riding it all the way in. Yeah, and I mean, we do have access to Siren Storm Tamer, but we're yes. not playing it, and that is an upgrade from Lantern Bearer. It's it's very good. So there's there's room to move, and the the question is whether or not the non-spirit flying blue options are going to be stronger than going the spirit tribal route if so it opens up a lot of uh other slots so we're worth taking a look at if you happen to stumble across a list you really like let us know we would uh we'd love to see it but uh outside of that rakdos mid seems pretty set where it where it needs to be at the moment i'm sure there's some slots that can shift but uh nobody seems to have adopted the hazard tech yet which I'm surprised by, but, you know. People people are still sleeping on Hazaret. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you bring that up as tech for that deck. I That's that's another thing that I've been wanting to do with this format that I just haven't had the, the time to do, is just build a deck that's a Hazaret deck. Are you thinking, like, mono red, or are we thinking multiple I don't colors? know. I really don't know. It, it certainly doesn't have to be mono red. Hazaret is completely splashable. Yeah. But Hazaret is a fucking house. I'd actually kind of be curious to see. I won't play the deck because I don't want to play Cat Oven. But there are, there's like the Rakdos version isn't trying to do Trail of Crumbs and get more cards. It dumps its hand pretty quick. That would be an interesting deck to see Hazaret in. Because Hazaret, I feel like it could be pretty good friends with an Obnixilis deck. I could see that. I could see that. So I I don't know. It, there's room to room to brew in this format. There's just uh, the obvious stuff is done. We we know what the obvious combos are, straight up and down. Now if you're brewing, you're brewing with intent and also with the knowledge that you're going up against some powerhouse decks. So you better be well positioned with how you brew it. You you don't just get to brew in a vacuum like we got to about a month ago, where it was all right. Winota's in the format and. I don't know. Beat Winota. Moving on. Right. Right. Let's <laughs> just put. Make sure there's like four to six removal cards in the main, and about that many more in the sideboard. Like, okay, that'll cover Winota. On we go. Yeah. Right. Rakdos mid was such a house in that scenario because they were like, all right, three rave enfeeblements, three red cat melees. They all kill Winota. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of wonder if that isn't how we wound up with that being sort of the default of the format because. It was the deck that got to play Ray and Melee. It got to do all that. I think the biggest reason it became the default is because Red Black became a huge part of the Pioneer meta. And it was a deck that was consistently top aiding and taking down tournaments. And the only differences between that list and Explorer are Dreadbore and Kalidus. 
And like Dreadbore, we kind of get to replace with slightly worse cards. Kalidus, there's no replacement for. Oh, Kalidus fucking rips. But Hazaret was the correct choice, in my opinion. Everybody else went with Soren, and I, I see why, but here's the issue. Uh, and here's, again, why I'm asking you to take a second look at Hazaret instead of playing more Planeswalkers. Because I noticed this trend where we get into these grindy games, and you have a Chandra, they kill it, you get a Soren down, and you're grinding, and then they go over the top of you, and Soren doesn't go over the top of that. You just don't close the game out. You're trying to win by gr outgrinding these other decks that can go bigger. And that's not the answer. You can't outgrind those decks. Yeah, Soren doesn't really go over the top of anything. No. So, that, and that's the point. That's, that's exactly the point, though. Soren is like a Jund endgame, where it's, okay, now we both have nothing, except I have a Planeswalker. Right. And then it's fantastic. Yes. The The problem Soren had, though, is that, and still has, is that there are so many decks that are designed to go into six and seven mana blow out your fucking board kind of spells. And right. you just need to close them out. Right. The The problem of the game plan of we both have nothing except I have a Planeswalker is if the opponent can top deck something that goes over the top of it, then that plan is worthless. And I kept seeing that happen as a pattern. Yeah. Whereas Hazaret's like, okay, we both have nothing, and you've got three turns to win. <laughs> At most. Maybe two. At most. If, if there's been any pressure on, I mean, if you're drawing stone nothing, that's seven damage a turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a force to be reckoned with, and it will close out the game very, very quickly. So that's why I would say take another look, because these Jun lists, these, uh, sorry, the Rakdos lists, they're very good at saying resource denial all around. They play the classic Jun strategy of you don't get to do that thing that's busted and then I'll kill the other thing that's got some, you know, it, it doesn't quite fit with my game plan, so Fatal push that and I'll play something that's kind of a two for one. You'll spend some resources answering it. Next thing you know, I've got one card, you've got zero. Hazard's great for that when you need to close out and this is a format you need to close the door quickly. I really think the only liability that Hazret falls into is the Wandering Emperor. Oh, God, yeah. It's it's absolutely not great there. But those matchups, Soren isn't going to win you a game that plays Right, that but you're well. also talking about having that in a deck with Thoughtseize. And post-board duress. Right. So there's solutions to that. Yeah, and they have to find it in time at the right time and you have to swing because you can't just ping them for two every turn with Hazaret and just sit there yeah which i've done i've definitely had a game where I, they had wandering emperor and they had signaled it and i didn't take it with the duress i took the uh whatever it was that was i think it was shark typhoon i was like okay not that that'll be your win con you can have the wandering emperor and i just sat back with Hazaret and just two damage a turn find a solution dummy and eventually, you know, they're forced to play into it, and then you get to smack and get after it. Yeah. So it's it's got more flexibility to it, which I love. But uh, this weekend, the churn is real. The advice remains the same. Pick a deck you love or pick a thought you love. Brew with it if it's a thought. If it's a deck you love, learn it. Learn the ins and outs. Figure out what your matchups look like. Pick something good. Try not to fall into all the classic traps. Like, I know Bant Angels look so luring, but these linear strategies that don't have the ability to have much flexibility in the face of what your opponent's doing, they're not going to be good solutions to playing this game competitively. I'll, I'll, I'll put one caveat 
on that though. If, if you are, uh, how to put this, if you know you're bad at magic, sure. Relative to the event that you're walking into, that is a great time to play a non-interactive, uh, glass cannon strategy like angels. That's true. Because yeah, I mean, like if I were going to the pro tour, for example, I'd be one of the worst players in the room. Right. So if there were a deck like Bant Angels, I would take that. Because it, it takes my inferior play skill relative to the room out of the equation substantially. And that's that's a fair point, because my one run at the Pro Tour, I played Jeskai Ascendancy, which is a deck that's very complex. And it was definitely the wrong choice, not just for the meta, but in terms of all the interaction back and forth. And I mean, this is pre-arena. So there was not a lot of testing that went into this. It was just a cool deck that I wanted to play, and it was a pro tour. A lot of triggers, too. A lot of triggers. Um, also, there was a huge language barrier at the pro tour level. So there were a lot of uh, moments where the opponent, I, I think I had a round three, it was a fellow from Japan. Right. You know, when, when you think that they're attacking, and then you go to block, and then it turns out they're actually not attacking. <laughs> or when you swing and exert a glory bringer, and then they say you didn't do it. Right. <laughs> So that's what I should have done for that pro tour, if we're being honest, is exactly that. Pick a linear deck and go, okay, so I go derpa derpa, and either you have the solution or you fucking don't, but that's as good as it gets derpa for me. Derpa derp? Baka laka la? <laughs> All right. So if you're, that that's viable. If you're trying to spike a tournament and it's not about getting uh, better necessarily, it's about winning an individual event in which your play skill relative to the room is going to be less. And for us, like, yeah, Pro Tours, definitely. I would also say usually day two of Grand Prix is about where I'm running up against my wall of playing against better players. Dude, there's the the day two of that, that Grand Prix, uh, that last Grand Prix from Modern before they banned Birthing Pod. Oh, yeah. And uh, round one of day two, I got paired up against Ari Lax playing Merfolk. Oh, right. And I was, like, I think I was hungover. <laughs> You were. Yeah. And uh we all were. We were celebrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All we we all us. made day two. All so yeah, yeah. We two. went to dinner and we had some <laughs> drinks and we're like, you know, this is we're 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 in college. We can hang. And you know, we could. It's just my brain didn't turn on until after that round. So I was attacking four or five siege rhinos into his six six merfolk because they were printed as two two and like I just spaced off that they modified each other. And I did it more than once. I did it more than once and I got to the end of the match and I just like straight up was like, I'm sorry, I'm actually not this bad. I just need a coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, it, that reminds me of the time I played against LSV and made a <laughs> lot of mistakes and was really like, I, it's one of the few times I've turned red as like playing, like <laughs> fanboying and playing against a hero. And then I like make a critical error and he just like looks up. Looks at me, looks back down, doesn't say a word. You know, he's yeah. not he's not an asshole. He's a really nice guy. And I just turned bright red and scooped. I was like, <laughs> okay, that was that was the game right there that I just straight up screwed up because I was too busy like fanboying so hard, you know. <laughs> so that it, it happens. It yeah. happens. Sometimes it's because you're hungover. Sometimes it's because you're a young boy and you're fanboying over the fact that uh Somebody you've grown up reading and watching play magic is up against you in a competitive tournament. And you're just like, oh my God, it's LSV, you know? And <laughs> Hooray. Oh shit. <laughs> right. I pooped myself. <laughs> Pretty much. 
right right in front of him and of course there's like that that click of other semi pros that are watching him play that you know you're also embarrassed to have shown how shitty you were in front yeah. of <laughs> like ah oh, well they won't remember my name thankfully yes yes <laughs> i i know that at least i know he has never thought about me since that day which is a good thing cuz it was an embarrassing day <laughs> but uh, i hope he remembers now oh god if if you're listening, LSV, um, it was the tall ginger. Yeah, yeah. The, at that point, a gangly one as well. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's all for this week. I yeah yeah we'll we'll see you see you Monday on the on Twitch. Yeah, we'll be messing around with some sweet brews again. Probably uh, taking a look over the course of the week at Abzan Grease Fang and uh, some other stuff. But the MIQ is coming up, so if you're looking to stay competitive, you're looking to find the right deck. Tune in, because we'll be testing for it pretty heavily. Hell yeah. And that's the motherfucking dark stream. Motherfucking dark stream. Peace. Peace.